hello, hello, and welcome to Tuesday's episode. I did a little poll on Instagram asking what topic I should talk about today, and surprisingly, marriage was like soaring above any other topic that I talk about on this podcast. So we're going to get into that today. First, I wanted to say that every podcast I listen to has this like introduction that they recorded once and then they slap it on the front of all of their podcasts. And I did not make an introduction on purpose. It's not just because I'm lazy. It's because when I am driving in the car, I constantly like want to reach down to my phone and like hit forward every time the intro comes on just because I don't care. I don't want to listen to an intro. So hold me accountable. We're just, we are not having an intro. Okay. The other thing people wanted me to talk about was just general everyday life updates. So this is just going to be a mix of life updates and marriage. What a great, what a great pod. Uh, First, I want to tell you my dream last night. And just an FYI, this is an explicit show. If you know, I, I tagged it as explicit. So I always have dreams about having sex with people from high school. It is the weirdest freaking thing. Like I do not, I do not even talk to anyone from high school. I don't think about anyone from high school during the day, but I have these random ass sex dreams and it's always someone from high school. Like thinking back to my dream last night, I don't even remember who it was, but I remember in the middle of the night waking up from this dream. In the dream, I was married to Andrew. And in the dream, I was like cheating on him with somebody from high school. I don't know. This is the most bizarre thing. Maybe I need to do like a quick Google search and figure out what the hell does that mean? Okay. It's really hard to find something on Google that captures this exact scenario. Like, I'm sorry. Do other people not dream about having random sex with people from high school that they do not talk to, have not seen in like 10 plus years? Um, Okay. This article from Quora. Isn't that like a Reddit? Oh God. I don't know. It says if you're dreaming about high school or being back in high school, um, this is, I guess, someone from high school. It denotes that I'm seeking validation and or reassurance that I might feel lost or uncertain about some event or change in my life. Okay. That, that seems pretty on point. Then I go over to the HuffPost and it's titled what your sex dreams actually mean and I found this article super interesting. It's like whether it's Phil from accounts or your high school PE teacher, chances are you've unconsciously spent some time between the sheets with someone. But this happens to me all the time. What is wrong with me? Okay, it says it's completely normal. So thanks HuffPost for making me feel normal. Um, It says our dreams reflect the last one to two days of our lives, according to a dream analyst, Jane Teresa Anderson. She says when you look into a dream, it's a window into how this person's mind is processing their life. And she said the person in the sex dream, it's not necessarily about the person. Uh, She says that you should think about like the three words that describe that person and then take those three descriptive words and apply them to your life. I don't know. Okay. I'm just going to move on from, from, from that. I just spent like four minutes talking about my weird sex dream. 
So a few weeks ago, I was interviewed by a videographer. He's amazing. His name's Jeremiah. He works with tons of my wedding clients. We just love him. He offered to do a company branding video for us. So we've been filming it since June of last year. He's been just grabbing different clips of us, whether we're at styled shoots or at weddings that he's also working for the couple. And he, we went and we rented out a studio a few weeks ago and he interviewed me for clips of the video. Oh, I always say fur instead of for. It's one of my pet peeves about my speech. Maybe this podcast, now that I have to listen to myself while I'm editing, will make me stop saying fur. It's for Miranda. Anyways, back to the videography. So Jeremiah was interviewing me and asking me questions about, you know, why I do what I do, why I'm a wedding planner, how I got into it. And I don't even remember what the original question was, but I almost cried during the interview when I started talking about marriage and how much marriage means to me because, and I talk about this in the video, which is going to be crazy. I can't believe this is going to be branded into our company branding, but it's an honest truth. And I really try to be transparent with everyone. Part of the reason reason that marriage is so important to me is that I almost married the wrong person. I was engaged to someone before my now husband and thank God that ended and he was the one who ended it because it was super toxic. We needed to get out of that situation and me being the person I am, like I'm very loyal, I'm all in, like I felt like I said yes when he proposed and I just couldn't get out of it, like I had made the commitment and I felt like that person really needed me because they were struggling in lots of aspects of their life. Anyways, we had planned the whole wedding, basically. We had all our deposits down and we called it off. We owned a house together at that time, so we had to like divide up everything in the house, sell off everything, sell the house. Like the last time I saw that man was the closing when we sold our house. Flash forward, I knew my husband previously, like before we started dating. I actually met my husband on a double date with my ex-fiance and my husband's ex-wife. So yes, Andrew was married before. This is a very well-known thing on my blog, MirandaSchroeder.com. Andrew was married before. We met on a double date. So Andrew, my now husband, went to high school with my ex-fiance. That's how I met my husband. No, there wasn't any hanky-panky like after we all met on a double date. We hung out as couples a few times. I played on like a co-ed soccer league with Andrew. And this was over like two or three years. This almost the same exact time my fiance called off our wedding, Andrew's wife told him that she wanted a divorce and she was leaving. She had been seeing other people. I feel like I'm completely getting off track here. What I was trying to say is that terrible experience for both me and my husband made us appreciate our relationship and marriage so much more than any other relationship we've ever had in our lives. And we've talked about this, so I can speak for him in that. We've both said like that is 100% the case. 
we were very serious about our relationship from the beginning because we didn't want to end up in that same terrible situation. So we were very serious about like our intentions and like why we wanted to date and that we were dating for marriage. Like it wasn't just for fun. And I mean, we've ever, ever since we reconnected after everything, all the fallouts happened with our exes. Like we've been together ever since. So marriage is so important to me because it really is the biggest decision you will make in your life, in my opinion. And that's coming from someone who was with the completely wrong person living a completely different life where I was absolutely miserable, like crying in the bottom of the shower, praying to God that things would change. And thank God for his mighty power and ability to see way more than we can ever see and have these plans for us that we have no idea are in store. And everything collided and came together. And being married to my husband is the best thing that has ever happened to me in my life. I have a wonderful family, a beautiful daughter, all because of choosing to marry him. Like, I look back on my life and, wow, I would be in a really dark place if I was still with my ex. So I'm just very thankful that I'm not. But all of that to say, that's why marriage is so important to me. I just, I see the impact it has in my life being married to the right person. And I also, I, I should also say, like, I don't think there's really right or wrong but like your gut and your heart knows right or wrong for you in your relationship in your situation anyways that love for marriage relationships obviously it's spilling over now onto the podcast and I hope to have some really fun guests on that are experts in this that can go much more in depth and they're much more intelligent and knowledgeable when it comes to relationships Andrew and I are huge nerds though we read books, listen to podcasts, like do audio books, activities, all sorts of things that are marriage based to help further and strengthen our relationship. And I meet with so many engaged couples because I'm a wedding planner. I get frustrated, especially now, because Andrew and I are doing this new thing called Fair Play. By Eve Rodsky, and I'm going to talk about that. But lately, I've been getting very, very frustrated that when planning a wedding, most of my grooms don't do shit. I have a few that are very involved. They're like active. They communicate with me. They're part of the decision making. I have a few that have even like led the planning. And don't get me wrong, like one person in the relationship, either the bride or the groom, or the bride, bride, groom, groom. Like one of them has to be in charge. Like one person in the couple. However, there is a difference between being an act, being actively involved and just letting the other person deal with all the stress, all the mental load of planning, like all, all of it from, from A to Z. And you just have absolutely no idea what's going on. Like you don't even know who the vendors are that you've booked. Like you don't know who the photographer is. You have no idea what the color palette is. And what really irks me, and I thought about this last night, so many people are like, oh, like, he or she just, they're like, 
oh whatever you want honey like whatever just this is all to make you happy so whatever you want that's a cop-out that is a cop-out from doing any of the work that it takes to plan a wedding and we have normalized that so much and I know we're not here to talk about weddings I just want to start the conversation around marriage right there because a lot of couples have a wedding and a lot of couples go through this planning profit process right before their marriage starts and it is the perfect indicator for how the marriage is going to be if the woman or one of the women or one of the men are solely responsible for everything in the planning process that is such an indicator of how it's going to be to run your household okay if that other man or woman who's not involved thinks that they can do nothing and just show up on the big day and nothing fell through the cracks everything's beautiful everything's planned the timeline's running smoothly like what does that say about how it's going to be in the marriage like I want to pause because I'm not blaming that person let's also look at the person who's cultivating this by just doing everything, we are setting an expectation that it's perfectly fine for that other person to not be involved. And I, this happened, uh, here's an example. This happened in college and I coached someone through it. They couldn't get anybody in the fraternity to take out the trash cans on trash day. So what would happen was the house manager would grab all of the trash cans last minute, stressing, frantically out the trash cans every single week because no one would put out their trash cans I was like hold up how about for one week you just don't put out the trash cans just don't do it also probably wise to let people know like you will not I I will not be putting out the trash cans this week it's gonna be your job to put them out and guess what they are so used to the house manager putting out their trash cans for them that they're not going to put out their trash can that week. It's just going to slip right through their mind because they are not carrying the mental load of the trash can needing to go out on a certain day. So what happened? That week, only the house manager's trash can went out and there was like seven trash cans or something for the fraternity. All six of the other bins sat in the back completely full, overflowing from all the nasty parties and alcohol cups and whatever. And then no one was able to take out their trash all week. And guess who was racing to the curb the following week to put out their trash cans? Every single person. All the trash cans went out. Okay? Same thing in marriage. And traditionally, because of our culture, the women are that house manager. The women are the ones making sure nothing falls through the cracks. The women are the ones altering their career, altering their schedule, their life, their everything, their body, their mental state to make sure that everything is running smoothly for the family. It could be something as simple as putting out the trash can in that example or something as complex as finding a school for your child, filling out all the enrollment forms, going to the tours, taking your kid to the doctor to make sure that they have the vaccines needed to begin at the school, going to do like the orientation and the tour and this, that, and the other. All of those activities stack up into a huge pile just to do one thing, 
to enroll your kid in school, okay? And traditionally, all of that is falling on the woman. And that is why women are angry. And you know what? Let's just pause there. And let me say, women are allowed to be angry, okay? It's what we do with that anger. That's what comes next. Like, we know this stuff. We're all thinking it in our heads. But then, like, what are we doing to remedy it? And oftentimes, I think we tell ourselves, like, this is just the way it is. There's nothing I can do about it. Like, he's never going to change. And that's where fair play has come in for Andrew and I. So I heard about fair play from, I think it's that darn chat, Laura on Instagram. Love her content. It's amazing. She does lots of stitches where she'll find a video that's circulating on the internet and then she'll give her take on it. Brilliant. Just go follow her right now. But she is a fair play facilitator as in like she's trained in Eve Rodsky's program called Fair Play. So Fair Play is a book written by Eve Rodsky. Andrew and I listened to the audiobook and I'll drop that in the show notes. And then once we listen to the audiobook, there is a deck of cards and you can call it like a game. You can choose to buy the deck of cards separately from the book, but I would recommend buying them. In the deck of cards is 100 tasks that have to be done in a household, typically. Okay, these 100 tasks are going to change throughout your life. Like for us, there were some that didn't apply. Uh, So the first thing you do when you like get the deck of cards is you can get rid of as many as you possibly can to lighten the household's load. So you go through them and you're like, oh, this one doesn't apply to me or like this one isn't of value to us. So we're going to take it off of our plate. Once you get your card deck down to all the cards of, okay, here's everything that needs to happen in our household and everything that is of value to us, then you distribute the cards between the partners. We, at first, distributed the cards based on, and I think she explains she explains it much better in the book, like she tells you exactly how to play with the cards. But Andrew and I divided them up and said, okay, here's the cards that you're currently holding. Here's the cards I'm currently holding. And then here are the cards that we split. Honestly, most of the cards we were splitting. So like I was doing one part of that card and then Andrew would come in and like finish the other part of the card or vice versa. Or maybe that card, like we were constantly handing it off, but like with no plan of when it should be handed off. Like should you be doing this on Tuesdays and I'm doing it on Thursdays? Like there was none of that clarity. It was just like, okay, it's time to put the baby to bed. Like you do it. Am I doing it? Well, you look busy. I'm frustrated because now we have to do it again for the 39,000th time. And by the way, Ryan hates when I put her to bed. She like screams and cries and yells mommy. And then like that's after she runs around like a freaking tornado with her diaper half off. So I hate putting her to bed because she does not do that for anyone else. She must just be very comfortable with her mommy and her emotions because when Andrew or Daniela, our au pair, put her down, like they literally read her a book, like they put on her jammies, get her a fresh diaper, like read her a book, put her in the crib and she just, she just goes to sleep. 
you can see where I'm going with this though. When a card is being shared, it's easy to get frustrated about who's doing it and when they're doing it. And then the resentment just like builds up. I was talking to one of my wedding couples last night about this and again, I'm going back to trash or like actually no, let's let's use the dish example because this was always causing so much resentment in my marriage. It was like I would walk through the kitchen, see a sink full of dishes and be so frustrated that I needed to stop and do dishes again because it felt like I was constantly doing dishes 24-7 and I could never get ahead of them and I would literally grab the plate, squirt on the soap, be like scrubbing it and in my head I'm like raging. I'm like why am I the only one who does the dishes around here? Like, why can't he pick up a dish and wash it for once? Like, okay, we all know that narrative that goes through our heads. And most of the time, we don't even say it out loud or communicate it to our partner. If we do, maybe it's like a sly, like jab in the side, but we're not having like a productive conversation around it. And then it goes on for days and days and days because doing the dishes is a daily grind, uh, as Eve Rodsky would say. There are tasks that are just daily grinds that have to be done every single day. And when we looked through the deck of cards, the daily grinds were some of the most, like causing the most friction in just our lives, in our marriage, because it was things that had to be done every day. And there were no clear expectations around who should be doing them and when they should be doing them. Another thing she talks about in her book is CPE. And that's just an acronym for conception, planning, and execution. And this was so hard for Andrew to wrap his head around. Women carry so much of the mental load. And the mental load is just all this invisible labor and work and thinking that goes into making a task happen. And I think that can be a foreign concept for a lot of men. And so CPE means that if you have a card, you're doing conception, planning, and execution, not just the execution piece. As in like, I think about everything we're gonna eat this week. I write a detailed list with each item, with quantities, amounts, the brands I want like you to buy. And then I hand you that list and send you off to the grocery store there are now that we do fair play and I look back on just all the tiny little interactions of our marriage on a daily basis it makes so much sense to me that there's breakdowns between when one person is planning and conceptualizing and the other person is executing it they can't read your mind like you there's just no way to communicate every single detail to make that person do a really great job in the grocery store like maybe you accidentally forgot the diced tomatoes for your chili recipe and like when they get there they're just throwing stuff in the cart that's on the list they're not like thinking through the entire meal that you planned it's just a list to them and so when we conceptualize and plan something and then we like randomly assign a task to our partner And then we get mad because they don't do the task correctly because they don't have the whole backstory. 
Uh, e. Brodsky calls those rats. So random assigned tasks where you're just like randomly assigning something for your partner to do out of nowhere with no context, no background. I realized how many rats I was giving my husband like all the time. I'd be like, hey, can you stop and get a glue stick? But like he had no idea like what it was for or why it was important. And then he would get stuck at work and forget to stop and get the glue stick because that wasn't like the importance of it or what it was for wasn't even on his radar. And so Andrew, Andrew and I like I call them random ass tasks. And the next piece of all of this fair play business is having a minimum standard of care. What that means is if someone is holding a card, there has to be a minimum standard that that person needs to CPE for that card. So Andrew and I, this has been a huge learning curve. So we have like a little spreadsheet with columns and we keep our cards on them. And then we do like a monthly check-in where we go through each person's columns, give each other feedback. And my standards are very different than Andrew's. And I think that's super common in any marriage. Like sometimes there's just things that one partner cares about that the other person could really give a shit. Like they just do not care. Uh, Like for me, the yard is a huge thing. Like I hate when our yard looks like shit. I hate if the grass isn't cut. I don't like there to be vines growing over trees. Like I like everything trimmed, weed whacked. I like the garden beds cleaned up. I like them mulched. Andrew could go the entire summer and just let the yard go into a wild jungle. Like he does not care at all. So for each of these tasks, we've had to talk about what what does doing this successfully look like for us in our relationship. And you could go into you could dive into every single card and find discrepancies between what your partner thinks is a good thorough job versus what you think is a good thorough job for that card. So that's where we've spent the majority of our time lately. Um, We're doing a a really good job with CPE. It's like, okay, this is your card. You own it start to finish. I really had to check myself because I would constantly want to jump in and like, fix everything like be the hero just I was definitely cultivating doing everything myself like I was a huge part of that for example Andrew is currently holding the other kids birthdays cards when you have toddlers you will realize how many birthday parties you have to go to it's like every other day and then you gotta like make sure you have the gift whatever one of our really close friends Uh, toddlers was having a birthday and Andrew was in charge he was supposed to be buying the gift and like it was getting closer and closer and closer to the party and I was like okay you are in the zone where like Amazon Prime isn't gonna cut it like you're gonna have to go to the store and get something meanwhile I literally had the gifts in my Amazon cart just like waiting to like jump like swoop in and like save the day and click purchase so that they would make it on time And so every day I was like, hey, did you buy the gift yet? Hey, did you buy the gift yet? And going back to the trash can example, that was me swooping in and I needed to just stay out of it. Guess what? He came through, he got the gifts, we went to the party. It was wonderful. Um, Little buddy loved them. (sighs) So I needed, like I was causing myself 
stress that I just, I didn't need to have. And it's been a huge learning curve for me to just let go and trust that my partner is capable. And yeah, there are some times where I drop the ball, Andrew drops the ball, like we don't get it right. Happens all the time, but it's just a process and a learning curve. The whole objective of doing fair play is to create consistency, clarity, and lessen resentment. That has been the biggest thing for us since we've been practicing fair play. I no longer am upstairs scrubbing the toilet bowl being pissed at my husband. That is huge. Okay, that is a breakthrough. Because I've been like that in every relationship I've been in, every guy I've lived with, so much resentment about how much I do and how much he does not do. And now, instead of having that resentment, I'm like taking pride in my jobs. And I've noticed that my husband is also taking pride in his jobs and his cards. And we're like, no, this is my task. I want to do it well. Like, I'm in charge of this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it frequently. And I'm going to do it very well. So that's been the biggest change. Just so much less resentment. Also having a structure around feedback. It's like we literally have a family business meeting. Like we just pull up the spreadsheet. We go through each task. We're like, hey, you know, work's getting really busy, going into busy season. Like, can I maybe offload a couple of these daily grinds, you know, onto your your list? Um, or like, hey, I've been a little frustrated because I feel like you're not CPE in the laundry. Like you bring it down, you do it. But then I have a pile of laundry sitting in an area we walk through for like three days. And you know, like that's not really meeting my minimum standard of care. And it's a business meeting. Like that's, that's seriously how we run it. Like instead of like blowing up like three weeks of resentment about how your partner doesn't do the dishes. It's like, oh no, like we have a meeting come up and we know like that's the time and place to talk about it. And it just gives us a place to do that. Like I don't have to have anxiety about going to Andrew or like yell at him about how I'm pissed off that the laundry isn't getting put away quickly enough. It's just part of our routine. And Eve Rodsky, the author of Fair Play, her big thing is doing all this creates efficiency in the household, streamlines tasks, and that frees up time for each individual in the relationship to spend time on things that matter to them. And, it, and we're not just talking about like self-care. We're not talking about, you know, getting a haircut or getting your nails done or working out because that's Andrew's self-care 100%. No, that stuff is built into the deck and has to be prioritized outside of maybe a dream or a goal, something that fuels your fire and reconnects you to you as an individual. So for me right now, it's this podcast. Um, Eve Rodsky calls it unicorn space. So this is like a fun thing I'm doing purely for myself. And she suggests, you know, re-looking at your unicorn space, I think every six months or something like that. Uh, and then Andrew has his stuff that he's like, this is something I want to put time and effort and money into. And then obviously supporting your partner through that and allowing them to be able to use time and money and resources to exercise their unicorn space 
that's the whole point of this. Like, so not only is your household running more efficiently, there's less resentment, but you're also carving out time for dreams and then you're supporting each other in achieving them. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Really, it doesn't. And I feel like I probably did not do fair play justice. I'm probably not explaining it as well as an expert would. So my suggestion would be to just look at the show notes, hit up Amazon, get the book. I find a lot of people prefer the paperback version of the book versus listening to it on audio because I think you can like scribble and make notes. So that would probably be my suggestion. But if that's just not realistic, we listened to the audio book and it, it worked fine for us. Um, the audiobook was nice too because like I could listen to it whenever and then Andrew could listen to it whenever it wasn't like sharing a book or having to buy two so that would be my suggestion if you feel like any of those things are occurring in your marriage and you're excited about this idea of streamlining lessening resentment you know taking ownership of what your role in the family highly recommend and definitely get the cards and create a spreadsheet if you're nerdy like me all right and on that note i'm gonna sign off here and uh start working on my real job for the day and we'll catch you next week cheers